Newton Media Group, a family of creative services, presents the Voice Over Work podcast. Today is Thursday, March 10th, 2022. Thanks for joining us for this bonus episode. This episode is pulled from Nick Trenton's book, The Science of Being Lucky. And today we look at the combination of hard work and good luck and how those must combine for ultimate success. We'll talk about not only who is considered to be the world's most unlucky or perhaps most lucky person, but we'll also talk about improving your own luck by applying the concept of the luck surface area. I hope we present something today that will help you out and maybe allow you to learn something. We appreciate your time here and hope you enjoy this episode. Luck or hard work? Warren Buffett, easily considered one of the world's most successful individuals, understands the role of luck. He calls it the ovarian lottery. Whether you're born male or female, in America or Afghanistan, to rich or poor parents, it's the most important thing that's ever going to happen to you in your life. It's going to determine way more than what school you go to, how hard you work, all kinds of things. But what about Croatian man Frano Selak? He's been called both the luckiest and unluckiest man in the world, with an astonishing number of near-death experiences. First, he was rescued from a train wreck when 17 others died. On the only plane trip he took, he was blown out of a malfunctioning hatch, only to land on a haystack and survive. The plane crashed and 19 people died. He survived a bus crash that killed four with only minor scrapes. He survived not one, but two car crashes. Shortly after his 73rd birthday, he won the equivalent of a million dollars in the lottery. It's hard to look at Selak's history and see anything but luck. Surely, he wasn't responsible for any of this. Let's consider a completely different story. In 1969, Chinese scientist Tu Yuyu was made head of a research group to create anti-malarial medication to assist Vietnamese soldiers who were dying in the war. Yuyu's team conducted extensive research, narrowing down thousands of potential remedies and painstakingly testing each one. Investigating the promising but inconsistent results from a kind of sweet wormwood, she happened upon a single sentence in a 1,500-year-old Chinese text called The Handbook of Prescriptions for Emergencies. It was then that she realized she needed to redesign all her experiments, taking into account heat during the extraction of the plant. In no time, the team had synthesized an effective anti-malarial drug. Yu Yu faced obstacle after obstacle in her research, but she pushed on, even infecting herself with malaria and curing it at a time she was prevented from conducting trials. It was a decade later when her work was finally released. Today, the drug has been administered more than a billion times and has saved the lives of millions. Yuyu received the Nobel Prize and a host of other awards, but she had started without a post-grad degree, without research experience, and without being a member of any academies. She was diligent, hardworking, and methodical. Was her success down to luck or hard work? And 
What makes her story different from Frano Selak's? The answer is that luck and hard work play a role, each interacting in interesting ways. Luck may be more relevant in an absolute sense, while hard work matters in a relative sense. To explain, luck can bestow the right genes, good timing, and beneficial connections, which can set you apart from others. This is like winning the lottery, but hard work distinguishes you from those who have the same amount of luck as you. How do you compare with other lottery winners? It's pure luck to be born in a rich country, but hard work will determine how you compare to others who are also blessed with that fortune. The larger and more extravagant the success, the more likely it was luck. In other words, being a good musician is down to hard work, but being the biggest rock star of the decade is likely sheer luck. Taleb summarizes this by saying, Mild success can be explainable by skills and labor. Wild success is attributable to variance. So again, we see that it's not hard work or luck, but a bit of both, depending on the scale of success we're talking about. It would be wrong to assume that winning the genetic lottery was a result of your personal efforts. Still, at the same time, if you're from a family of athletically gifted people, but only you found success as an athlete, that's probably because of your hard work. Another way of thinking of it is to imagine that hard work determines the shape of our success trajectory in life, but we're all embarking from different starting points. Luck. It is possible to overcome bad luck, and it's possible to lose any head start you are blessed with. Luck is out of our control, yes, but we can learn to understand it and work with it and optimize on the fortune that does come our way. Luck, as they say, is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. We can control our effort, essentially increasing our luck surface area and making it so that when a lucky break flies along, we're in the best position to catch it. Imagine a wildlife photographer who wins a prize for an absolutely phenomenal shot of a bird caught mid-flight catching an insect. The picture captures a moment of perfect timing conceals that the photographer took dozens or hundreds of imperfect photos, and even then, the chosen pick was edited, cropped, and tweaked further. Imagine, too, that this photograph had been entered unsuccessfully into several competitions over the course of years, and that it represents countless conversations about those competitions, advice garnered from industry professionals, hours spent in photography courses, and weekend evenings devoted to learning how to use photo editing software. Now, imagine even further that one day, this person is at an awards event because of this picture they took, and here, they meet a person they instantly click with. This person loves the photographer's portfolio and is really impressed with the passion and enthusiasm that they have when talking about their work. Spontaneously say, hey, I'm working on this new film project, and I'd love to have someone like you on our team. What do you say? And just like that, another related but completely unexpected opportunity opens up, and our esteemed photographer now has the chance to expand their skills into the filmmaking world. It's luck, yes, but luck riding on the back of lots and lots of hard work. Meeting the filmmaker at the awards event was pure chance, but there were two things that made the photographer able to grasp that chance and run with it. 
the cumulative results of all the work they'd done so far, i.e. the winning photo, and their enthusiasm when talking about their photography passion. I imagine that things had played out a little differently for him. Let's imagine that he worked really hard to hone his craft, took pains to take an amazing photo, submitted it everywhere, and then won the award at the ceremony, and then went home. Or imagine that he stayed, but since he felt intimidated by all the people there and a little unconfident in himself, he spent the evening being a phony, i.e. trying to impress others by talking about the things he thought he was supposed to talk about. Noticing everyone was a filmmaker, he launches into the discussions about various films but comes across as insecure and a faker. Remember self-fulfilling prophecies? The people at the ceremony aren't really impressed and forget about him soon after. He put in just as much hard work as in our previous example, but in this story, he doesn't meet the filmmaker who offers him the opportunity of a lifetime. The dominoes set in motion by his initial hard work stop falling, and the luck runs out. What's happened here? According to the surface area theory of luck, he's reduced his overall exposure to luck. The hard work stayed the same, but something else disappeared from the equation. The truth is that success is not a linear path, and lucky breaks emerge when a special combination of forces come together to make them possible. Hard work, grit, and resilience, education, knowing how to hustle, perseverance, connections, which matters most? Well, they all matter when they work together. Enter Jason Roberts, who coined the term luck surface area. To put it briefly, luck surface area is the degree of action to take concerning your passion plus the number of people you share that passion with. In other words, action plus communication. Like for our photographer, his success resulted from a combination of his persistent hard work and the effective communication of his passion with the people that mattered. How do you know which people will matter? Well, you don't. That's why you have to communicate your passion to as many people as possible. His equation goes as follows. Luck equals doing times telling. Basically, luck is a result of the interaction between acting towards your passion and speaking up to others about it. Imagine a graph where the x-axis is telling and the y-axis is doing, and the resulting surface area of the square they create represents the potential for luck. The more you tell people about your passion, the further along the x-axis you travel. But if you don't pair that with hard work, you end up with a flattish rectangle with a small area. Similarly, if you put in loads of hard work but don't pair that with broadcasting your process, your surface area also isn't great. You need both for the biggest possible surface area. Expertise and Connections Hard work and lucky breaks that come from others, acting and sharing, and telling others about the actions you're taking. So, while we've seen, time and again, that taking action is what really moves the needle when it comes to bringing luck into your life, it needs to be an action that is shared, broadcast, and talked about. Your luck will be directly proportional to the degree to which you actually do something about your passion combined with the number of people you communicate this passion to. It's all hard work. It's all about passion. It's not what you know. It's who you know. 
it turns out that all of the above are true. Let's see how we can put this theory into practice and start bringing in the serendipity. Step one, think carefully about an area in life where you're trying to cultivate more luck, be it work or relationships or creative pursuits. Step two, draw a simple graph with telling on the x-axis and doing on the y-axis. Thinking about the past month, how much work did you do in this area of life? Imagine that on a scale of 1 to 10, that 10 is doing all you can to be the best of your abilities. Similarly, ask yourself how often you've spoken to others about your project or goals and to how many different people. Score 10 if you speak often and to more than a handful of people. Step 3. Draw the square and observe your total luck surface area. Now you can visually see if you're not doing enough of one or the other or both. Step four, based on what you find, commit to taking one step towards increasing the surface area. This could be by setting yourself the goal of talking to one new person per week about your passion, dedicating an extra hour every day to learning or building, or something in between. Step five, don't stop there. Pay close attention to the results these actions produce. Notice what works and, you guessed it, do more of that. You may discover that you score low on both doing and telling. In this case, lucky you. It means that any action you take to increase either quantity will improve your overall luck exposure. Should you find that your surface area is actually pretty good already, then simply imagine a third dimension of time. And trust that if you keep going as you are, consistency and persistence will pay off. As you consider the actions you'll take and the way you'll share your message, bear in mind what we've covered in previous chapters about a lucky mindset and thought patterns. Be resilient and patient, stay optimistic, and don't get too neurotic about anything. Let's look at some examples. You're looking for a new job but aren't having any luck. You follow the above process to check in on your luck surface area. You discover that while you're putting in hours submitting resumes, doing interviews, and chatting to recruiters, you actually are spending barely any time just talking to people about your mission. In fact, you realize that most of your social circle don't even know you're looking for a job. Oops. You take action. You go on social media to let everyone know who you are and what you're looking for. You even ask close friends to ask around for you and see if anyone knows anyone looking for someone like you. These so-called weak connections, i.e. friends of friends of friends, are sometimes the most valuable in generating luck. Your friend's mom knows a guy whose wife teaches a course in the field you're trying to find work in. It's a long shot, but a few careful conversations and questions later, you get a mutual friend to introduce you. At first, you just approach her, not looking for a job, but to ask her advice in general and make a networking connection. You have a nice chat, but she says she can't help you. However, she knows an ex-student who started working for a company that was seemingly always hiring. She gives you their details. You reach out, mention her name, and get on a phone call with the director. He tells you they're not hiring, but he'll be in touch if anything comes up. 
A full month later, you finally hear from him. He doesn't want to hire you, but a colleague does. And are you interested? You say yes. And luckily for you, you got a million different versions of a brilliant resume on hand. And so you can immediately jump in prepared and ready for anything. You've been drilling interview questions for weeks. And not only that, you're also savvy about what other companies are offering salary-wise since you applied to so many positions. You ace the interview, and within a few days, you're hired for the perfect job for you. Luck or hard work? This story would not have worked without either the hard work or the communication with others. The luck surface area theory explains how luck is a function of how proactive we are and the relationships we're able to build with others. Let's look at another example. Let's say you're trying to fulfill your lifelong dream of having a book published. You've had this dream since childhood, and everyone who knows you knows that this is your mission in life. But it occurs to you that there may be an imbalance between doing and telling. While you tell everyone who will listen about your grand ideas for the book's structure, the ideas you want to share and why, when you sit down to draw the graph mapping out your luck surface area, you're surprised to see how little action you're actually taking towards this goal. In fact, the book is only half written, and you haven't added to it in months. You already know that lucky breaks happen to those who boldly share their dreams and broadcast their goals, but you may have taken things too far because you realize that you haven't written a book yet. You realize you need a concrete action plan, so you commit to taking steps to write every day. You set a goal, let's say a thousand words, and when you speak to people, you're sure to tell them about what you're doing and what progress you've made. From their point of view, you're not just talking excitedly anymore, you're doing something. Finally, consider an example where the doing and the telling are both low. Perhaps it's time to admit to yourself if you are quietly harboring a dream that you've never told anyone about and you've never taken any steps to realize. Maybe you're a proponent of the law of attraction and are still quietly hoping that wanting good things hard enough will somehow make them happen. Or maybe you lack faith and confidence in yourself and your lack of luck in this area is a manifestation of the fact that you're not yet completely committed to this goal. The luck surface area exercise is not meant to make you feel bad for what you're not doing or not doing enough of. It's meant to help you identify those places in life that will most reward you if you pour your energy into them. What a shame to waste energy and time on things that will only yield a small result, if anything. If there's not enough doing, then find a way today to take action. Set up a small goal in the right direction and then accomplish it create or build something. For example, write a chapter, make a business plan, or work on your website. Learn something. Ask yourself what lack of knowledge is currently getting in the way and commit to figuring out more about that area. Get organized. Tidy up your office. Create a new filing system to keep track of documents or plan your month ahead in detail. Solve problems. Ask for help. Get rid of what isn't working and strategize so that obstacles feel a little smaller going forward. If there's not enough telling, then find a way today 
to start speaking up about your passion. If you introduce yourself to someone new, share a few details about what you're working on and allow your excitement to show. Brag a little if you want to. Deliberately ask others to hold you accountable or partner up with people who have projects of their own so you can regularly touch base and compare notes. Tell people whom you don't even necessarily think can help you in any way. You never know. Share your plans with people you admire and respect. This will give shape and definition to your goals, as well as motivate you to achieve your goals. Plus, these are the people most likely to have insights or opportunities for you. Don't just share your triumphs. If you're having difficulties, speak up. Help and solutions may come specifically because you asked for them. Ask for advice and insight from others as a way to share your mission. The surface area theory is all about the interaction between telling and doing. So as best you can, try to make your telling support your doing and your doing support your telling. Make connections with new people and then take actions that nurture that new relationship. Work hard and then share the results of that effort with others. Tell people what fires you up and why. And when they show an interest, be ready to run with it and convert it into action. This has been The Science of Being Lucky, How to Engineer Good Fortune, Consistently Catch Lucky Breaks, and Live a Charmed Life, written by Nick Trenton, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2022 by Nick Trenton. Production copyright by Nick Trenton. learn more about today's author or book, please visit Amazon.com or Audible.com. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With a collection of trivia, research, news stories, and knowledge from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Overwork Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.